Welcome to Better Roads, a podcast with Randall Bach, president of Open Bible Churches. Everyone has a story to their journey, and God loves to participate in those stories. Join Randall as he explores another Better Roads adventure. Chris Hansler is our guest today, and Chris has been a youth pastor. He's been a church planning pastor. Uh, he currently serves as the executive director for Pacific Region of Open Bible Churches, and Chris has been a long-suffering fan of the Seattle Mariners. <laughs> uh, Chris, they made it to the first level of playoffs in 22. You know, how did you feel about that? I was excited. I, uh, you know, it's been 21 years since we won the most games of any major league team in the history of major league baseball in 2001 at 116 games, a record that's still standing by the way, uh -huh. but uh, it's been since then that uh, we have made the playoffs. So it was, it was great. I well, that's really a long ordeal. I'm, I'm happy for you made it that far anyway. I, I was deeply disappointed. We didn't go for, further, but Watch out for the Mariners the next couple of yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. Well, it wasn't because you didn't support them. I know that you stood loyally by them for right. 20 plus years, hoping yeah. that they since 1977, since they started. Oh and man, yeah, yeah. You're a charter member of the fan club. I am. Then. I yeah. Am. Well, we really appreciate your being a part of this today, Chris, and on our Better Roads podcast. You know, we like to focus on the roads that we choose in life, um, especially identifying the ones that are most beneficial, you know, and fruitful to life and ministry. But but we also find ourselves on some painful roads at times that we, you know, we would never choose, uh, that, you know, we'd avoid if at all possible. And um, I deeply appreciate your willingness to talk to us today about one such road in life, because uh, I know this feels very current and real to you. Uh, your Devoted wife of 36 years, Lisa, who is your partner and friend and mother of your children, passed away in February of 22. And um, I know this podcast is going to be particularly meaningful to some people today You know who can identify with your journey. I, I confess to you up front, I, I struggle because I don't want to be intrusive, uh, uh, but I, I do want to gently explore this road for the benefit of our listeners. So I, I want to thank you for being willing, you know, willing to share your experience and from your heart today with us, Chris. So uh, let's just begin right at the beginning of this, you know, what happened that caused Lisa's death? Yeah. Well, thank you, Randall, for the opportunity. Um, yes, this was not a planned, obviously journey, uh, but in uh, December of 2018, we got word. Um, it was actually on our anniversary, on our 33rd anniversary, and and I, also on the day Lisa's mom passed away from mm -hmm. cancer, we got oh. word that Lisa um, had breast cancer. So she went through uh, pretty uh, aggressive treatment, including chemotherapy. Um, surgery, bilateral mastectomy, um, radiation, uh, reconstruction, and came through all of that. You know, everything appeared to go well. Uh, we understood that it was clear and she was getting stronger and moving forward. And then in October of 21, 
we she she started having a wheezing and um they ruled out covid and then it was discovered that she had a collapsed lung she had pleural fluid they tested the pleural fluid and the cancer was back so mm. it it was in her lungs in the pleural fluid of her lungs and it was in lymph nodes around her abdomen and so they uh tried other treatments um they they told us at that stage, it would probably be two to five years that we, she would have, which was shocking and oh. terrible to hear that. Mm. Um, but they started some treatment. Um, the treatment didn't work. Um, and um, in February of February 15th uh, of this year, uh, 2022, she passed away that morning. So that time frame that they suggested to you really got short, didn't it? Yes, yes, and uh, and that uh, obviously was also just a, a shock. We thought, well, initially we thought, you know, she she beat it, and then yeah. we thought, well, she has two to five years, um, and then they tried one one treatment, and then they tried another treatment. They were about to try maybe a third treatment, but she wasn't strong enough by that time to start mm -hmm. a third treatment. I'm so, so sorry. Mm -hmm. So now you you were married for 36 years. Yes. And uh, anyone, everyone who yeah. knows you knows that you and Lisa were deeply in love. So I I just can't imagine what it's been like to you know to walk this journey to be on this road. Could could you tell us a little bit about what these past several months have been like for you, Chris? Yeah. Yeah, it has been an unwelcome road. Um, yeah. It. Uh, I, I want to be clear here that I, <laughs> I'm not through it. Yeah. And on it, um, I'm still trying to figure this out. Um, what is you know to this point, the way it has gone is in those in the early stage. Um, you know, I think I was just in shock and trying to figure it out, trying to care for my three kids. And um, it was interesting because I kind of went into this frantic organization. Um, I was trying to get all of the things in order. I was trying to get all of the, you know, insurance and, and all of the things that have to be done immediately, you know, or I thought immediately I went into sort of this frantic organizational mode Mm. Um, I stayed busy and I, you know, I took a leave of absence, uh, grateful for the regional board who gave me a leave of absence. Um, and I took about six weeks, but in that time I was just sort of, I was trying to think, should I sell my house? Should I buy a new house? Should I build a house? I was, and I was going through Lisa's things and I was telling my kids, Hey, take what you want. And I was in this sort of frantic mode. Um, I went to a counselor and uh, my counselor and, and I, I was talking to him and telling him what was happening. And he's, I was talking about maybe selling my house. He said, Chris, um, I, I would just, I understand what you're doing, but I would advise you don't make any major decisions for at least six months. Mm -hmm. And I said to him, uh -huh. I said, Steve, you know, what's interesting about that is I've given that counsel for 30 plus <laughs> years to people. Yeah. But when you're in it, you don't realize it. He said, what's happening is you're trying to control the things you can't control because the things that have happened to you are completely out of your control. Oh, yes. Very insightful. And uh, it was true. 
So um, I got through that. I let that all go and I relaxed and my kids were glad. Um, went back to work. Uh, the early stages of going back to work were kind of plowing through. Didn't have a lot of energy, a lot of forward. You know, I just I was, I was getting the stuff done because I needed to get it done at our yeah. conference. Yeah. Um, now I'm in a stage where I'm gaining energy and vision and um, and it's, you know, uh, it's it's not as difficult to go to work and and but it's been good to go to work. It's been good to sure, be sure. things. So yeah. Well, I know you, you you went through that. I suppose there are many phases of these kinds of things when you're working through the whole process of yeah. of grieving and uh, and you know you went through that stage of trying to control what you could control as yeah. your counselor said and getting kind of the the uber organizer during that time. But then I know that you have. You also have to grapple, you know, with some of the bigger issues and questions yeah. uh, involving something like this, uh, you know, huge loss. And it's pretty common uh, for people to go through a time of questioning God when they lose their loved one. I mean, you know, yeah. why? Why? And I know you prayed and sought God. You have you have a host of things you're working through. And 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 I know God sometimes his silence can feel deafening at those times. So uh, let me ask you, have, have you confronted that? Have you dealt with that? And if so, also, how have you navigated a line between where, you know, you, you come to God with your questions instead of coming at him with those questions? Um, well, there are probably times I came at him. <laughs> um, Wouldn't but, be surprised. Uh, yeah. You know, when she first got cancer, I had some of those questions because she's probably one of the most disciplined, you know, faithful, health conscious um, person I, I, I've ever known. And so in early stages, I, I did ask some of those, you know, like, God, you know, what's, you know, why, you know, but I, I know and, and I really haven't answered it ask that question why did this happen because i mean I, that question has come gone through my mind obviously but what i know is that you know cancer does not discriminate and this is not i've never felt like this mm -hmm. is god's fault i've never felt mm -hmm. like god did this to her mm -hmm. um I, I i recognize this is a, just a product of a broken world that we live in fallen world yeah. and um but I, I I did wonder after she died, I did have the questions and the inner sort of turmoil of, you know, why didn't the prayers, you know, so many people have been praying. Yes. So many people have been praying across the country and all over the world. Um, why didn't that turn it around? So you have those thoughts, you have those questions. But I also know that um, faith is not formulaic. You know, you do this, this, and this, and then you get this result. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. Um, I've known that. I've had to wrestle through some of that, of course. And uh, I, I think one of the great comforts to me has been the Psalms, where it just gives us permission to wrestle, um, mm, amen. to share our emotion to God, our frustration to God. But it always comes back to that place. But God, I trust in you. And, and I, you know, I, 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 I'm in that spot. I do trust God. I don't understand everything. But um and I've had the questions, but um, you know, I, I don't know that I don't know that I'll have ever have clear answers on this yeah. side. Of it. So, mm -hmm. 
Well, let me let me push in just a little bit more then, as you so wisely put it. You're not you're not hanging a responsibility in God that God didn't do this. Yeah. Uh, and and so you're processing all those questions. Yeah. Uh, but it also wasn't your idea. No. Uh, you know, for this to happen with with Lisa and I know you 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 believe in and you trust the Lord. But beyond your unanswered questions, some of which, as you said, may never be answered, how would how would you describe this these months have taken place? How's it affected your relationship with God? Um I I think I would say it, it has probably made me more <laughs> this might sound strange. I'm probably more honest with him than I've ever been. No, mm-hmm. I get it. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, not that not that I could ever hide anything from him in the first place, but there's been a raw honesty that has been, um, you know, more out, more upfront for me. Um, and and so I think that would be one way. I, I think I've just. I, I think I've. I'm closer to him in the sense that I'm more honest. I, I can be more upfront. I can be more expressive. Uh, you know, I've never been a person who's been highly emotional. Um, so just leaning into those emotions has been good because it has drawn me into this place where it's still safe with God. Mm-hmm. Um, the other the other thing I would say, there's a scripture that I have kept going back to over and over through this time. It's Psalm 34, 18, and it says the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. Yes, yes. Uh, it, it doesn't, it hasn't always felt that way through this season, but it has most of the time felt that way. And I, and I would say it's not just this sort of, you know, presence, although I sense his presence. Um, I know he's with me, but it's also been just through people. I mean, it's, the people have been so kind and so caring and so generous and so thoughtful. Um, and so when I think about that, the Lord has been near, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. Mm. Yes, his presence is here, but I, I think his presence is here through people. And so mm-hmm. it is actually that that just witness of, of people, God's people, my neighbors who don't even know God, but I think God is using those people. Um, I think that witness has been so powerful for not only my sense of God's nearness, but also to my kids. Mm. Um, it's been so good for them to see just the love of God extended through the hands of people. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, in one of your Facebook posts, yeah. you said, I wrote this down, when, when going through something difficult, I find it helpful to declare and remind myself of truth, even when I don't feel it particularly through worship. Could you, could you unpack that for us? Yeah. Yeah. I don't always feel particularly, you know, while I know God is near, I don't always feel very near to him, you know, and that's, that's not just true in this season. That's always, there's always Mm -hmm. been some truth to that, but in this season, um, yeah, there's just been some really hard days. Um, and I think about her every every single there's i'm always thinking about and it's tough sometimes um but there's something about worship for me i'll say two things about this worship is one of the best places and one of the hardest places for me 
it's 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 healing and it's deeply emotional yeah. when i'm in the midst of worship um i i actually i'm in a class and we were talking about our spiritual formation and and it connects to this and they they talk about orthodoxy which is right belief they talk about orthopraxy which is right living and then they talked about orthopathy which i hadn't really thought much about orthopathy is right feeling and those three things need to be together you know for healthy spiritual formation and and i think that for me what worship does is it's one of the places where my orthopathy gets connected to my orthodoxy it's mm -hmm. one of the places where my emotion mm. gets connected to yes. right belief. Yes. It, it, it um, you know, I think our feelings, I'm learning, I'm, I'm continuing to learn this in this process. I think our feelings, um, though important to process and, and experience and lean into, especially in times of grief, are not always connected to right belief. Um and I think God has grace for that in these seasons of grief. But again, worship reminds me of and gives me opportunities to express truths that I may not feel at the moment. Yes. But yes. I know it to be true. Amen. Yes. And then something about it is, is when I do it, um, then the then sometimes that that emotion um connects itself to the right belief to the truth correct alignment and, and linkage at that yes. point yeah. yeah hey let's let's help people to get to know lisa a little bit better yeah uh, she i know she was a cook and a baker what was your favorite dish that she made oh man um she <laughs> she was a great she was a great cook and she was a great baker what 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 would be your favorite things that you would yeah. love it's funny of the things I would get emotional on in this uh, in this time. We found uh, it, huh? <laughs> it's food. Uh, <laughs> um, um, she made a mean apple pie, um, and uh, she, you know, simple things for me, the things that I uh, that I love that she made that I miss. Um, things like pot roast and mashed potatoes. I mean, she oh, just yes. made the best mashed potatoes of anybody I know. I mean, I know Barbara's a great cook, so uh, but she just made the best. And and um, I understand then, yes. <laughs> one of my um, and one of my favorite. I, I could give you a long list here. One of my favorites, really simple, is just these barbecue beef sandwiches she would make. I don't know how she did them. I got to find that recipe, but um, they're just unlike any other kind of barbecue beef I've ever had. Some something to do with Russian dressing. Somebody out there listening knows what I'm talking about, but. but uh, <laughs> Yeah, so those are some of the things she she was great. She was she was fantastic. Yeah. So do you have the recipes and how's it going, Mr. Cook, on these things? Oh, I'm learning. <laughs> there are there are machines sitting on my kitchen counter that I I didn't know how to use. I'm learning how to use them. I'm still scared of the food processor, um, but I'm learning. I'm learning how to cook. I'm learning how you know. I I mean I could make some things. I wasn't completely, uh, you know. I, I I wasn't completely lost, but but uh, you know my food is different. But I'm learning. It's something I have to learn, and it takes a long time to, to plan for. Oh man, you know, new appreciation for all that went into that, huh? Wow. 
all of it, you know, so. Yeah. And I remember you sharing at Lisa's memorial service that she had this impish, you know, this teasing side. And, and I never had opportunity to see that. I've always known Lisa as this, as this wonderful, uh, loving, beautiful lady at your side and gentle. And when she talked with people, but, but you told how she really had this teasing side. What kinds of things would she do that would make her the life of the party? Yeah, people who didn't know Lisa well, you know, they would see her and they'd say, oh, you know, she's so she's kind of quiet, you know, she's class, yeah. you know, she's beautiful and class and grace. And that's all true, obviously. But but yes, she had this she had this side, this crazy side of her, which was really fun. Some things I can't say that she would do. Um, but <laughs> I, in fact, I was just with somebody last week, Randall, that um long long time friend and we were talking about lisa and she said you know chris lisa taught me how to short sheet a bed <laughs> <laughs> and she would do that she would she would find a way to get in somebody's room and she would do that or one time we were at a we were at a, a leadership retreat and we put out these snacks everybody put out these finger foods and lisa got this idea there's a there's a dog treat called snossages. I don't know if you remember those, but she she bought a box of snossages. She put them in a nice little little dish, and she put them out with all the other snacks. And she stood by on the outside just waiting for somebody to take. And somebody did. She she about lost it. And they were so kind that they weren't they weren't willing to say how much they disliked it. But she she did all kinds of things. They toughed it out. Yeah, yeah. She, she. Uh, when I, I was, when I was, I was a camp director, youth camp director for a number of years, and she would often be a counselor, and I would lay out the rules at the beginning of the week. I could almost guarantee that sometime in the week, the cabin that would break those rules or that would stretch them or bend them was my wife's cabin. <laughs> So, so. The, the chief instigator. Yes, she was. Yes, she was. Now, I, I remember you also sharing at Lisa's memorial service, you know, how how she was, uh, um, you know, she's obviously very physical. She was a physical fitness nut. I mean, yes, she, she, she really was. Yes, I know was. how much she loved to exercise and to run. And, and you shared at the memorial service how in spite of doing your best, you could not keep up no. with her pace. Would you share with us a little bit about that story? Well, um, I couldn't because she was so disciplined and so um, faithful to her regiment. She would go out, you know, and she would say to me, she'd say, Chris, let's go out on a, let's go on a short run. And people who know her know what I'm going to say here. She'd say, let's go out on a little run. I'd say, <laughs> sure. okay, honey, okay, honey, but I'm only going you know, two miles or whatever it was, you know, and she would say, oh, well, yeah, we're just going to go a little way. So we'd get to the one mile point. She'd say, let's just go just a little further. Let's go just a little further. Just a and she would always push the envelope. That's kind of her. She would push to go farther. And, and inevitably, you know, I would want to go out on a walk to just enjoy nature. She'd want to go out and get the aerobic benefit of it. I'd want to go on a bike ride to enjoy the, she would push and push. And I was always 
I was always trying to keep up with her. I was always, well, I would just say in my whole life, I was pursuing her, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, often from behind. Um, That's yeah. beautiful. It's yep. beautiful. Yep. I know I know you still like to keep physically active yep. and I love watching your posts. You know, you get out and hike your favorite trails with your dog, JJ. Yeah. And it's some fabulous scenery, Chris, where you go. So we've already told people that you're your Seattle Mariners fan. Yeah. Maybe we should tell everyone, though, where you do live and you hike. I live in Bonnie Lake, Washington, which is about 45 minutes southeast of Seattle. Um, so, yeah, I, I love, you know, one of the one of my things I've always done in my life. I love to just get out in the hills. That's where I get away. That's my refuge. Um but around my neighborhood here, we have 20 miles of trails in the forest. And and so uh, every day I'm out on the trails with walking JJ. And, mm. and um, it's it's uh, it's restorative for me to do that. Those are it's beautiful area. But but, uh, you know, it, it causes me to wonder then when you're there, does it make you feel lonelier for Lisa? Does it make you feel closer to her? You know, uh, how's it feel now to go out yeah. and do that? Um, I think the way I would describe that, I would describe a lot of things in this grieving process that a, a, there are a lot of things that are both beautiful and terrible at the same time. Um, what I mean by that, when I'm out on those trails, they're, they're beautiful and they're beautiful reminders of that time. We spent so much time together out there. Um, especially even through her cancer journey and through COVID, you know, we were out on those trails. We, we had a place to go. And so it's beautiful to remember that, but it's also terrible because yeah. you, you, you know, you realize the absence you miss. I miss her. Oh, wow. I miss her presence with me. Um, yes. But I do feel, I do feel close to her out there. I do feel close. Um, I talk to her. <laughs> mm. I always wonder, can she hear me? You know, yeah. um, mm. But uh, but I I also those are also times where I just miss her deeply. Um, mm -hmm. So I, it, there's a lot of that, you know. There's a lot of you know, all of the things that you love to do. Reminders, um, yeah, yeah. They're beautiful to remember, and then they're terrible because you just mm. you just miss that. You wow. miss the person, and you miss that experience with them. And so there's a lot of beautiful, terrible going on at the same time in grief. I think. Indeed, what a what a journey! Yeah, it really is. Then, so I, I, in a moment, I want to ask you about what well-meaning people should not do yeah. and say. Before we go there, um, you mentioned something about how God's presence can really be felt through people. Yeah, you know, the, the power, the healing power of people around you. So, could you be kind of specific with us about what are some of the things? that family and friends have done during this time that have helped you the most in your journey? You know, are there other examples of things that you can tell that maybe would be helpful to others who have a loved one who's lost a spouse? Yeah. Well, there have been just a number of really practical things um, that are, that have been kind and thoughtful and generous, like just a note, you know, um, a card, something that says, um something specific that they loved about Lisa. Those those have been really meaningful. Mm. Um, um you know, people have given 
like things like gift cards and um, you know Grubhub or DoorDash gift cards. And I I didn't I didn't know I would need those things, um, but other people obviously knew. And those those were so helpful when you're just trying to get through it in the early stages and you don't have your person um and so you can just you know get get food i mean that's just a practical thing that people have done that has been really really thoughtful and helpful but on the on the other side uh, you know help of, of helpful just being present i think i think one of the really helpful things has been that people have just been present and willing to be present I would say it this way, though, not insistent, like, hey, I'm coming over. Yeah. Um, or, mm -hmm. or I'm because and, and everybody deals with people different. Everybody's personality is different. I That's tend right. to be more of an introvert. You know, I mm -hmm. I don't have a real problem being alone. Right. Uh, um, and and people who are, are more extroverted, they would want people around them all the time. I get that. For me, I don't have a problem being alone. But it's good to know that there there are people available to be present, um, and just sit with you know sit with you or be with you or be available to you. Um, close friends who who have allowed me to call and just say what I'm thinking um, without judgment. Um, cry, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, wonder. Uh, without trying to fix it, but to just listen. That's been really, really helpful. Yeah. And I, I, I know this is kind of the delicate side, the other flip side of it. And obviously, you know, there are a lot of well-meaning people who maybe aren't, aren't always helpful. I know that feeling of wanting to do and say something and feeling so clumsy, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. about it. And so uh, what are the kinds of things that, um, you knew you would suggest that people not do or say during a time like this. Yeah, I I think I think people are really well-meaning, and I think sure. the the questions they ask and think I think they they really mean well. Um, but I would say a couple of things that are not helpful that have not that are not helpful in my case. I would say um, talking about what the future might look like that for me is not helpful because particularly in the early stages, but you know, and, and you got to start thinking about the future at some point, but you're not ready to go there yet though. No, because trying to imagine a future without the person you've loved yeah. for so long is a terrible proposition. Mm -hmm. um, I, I actually had somebody who was like two weeks in was talking, saying things like, well, you'll find somebody else. And, and wow. the last thing the last thing I wanted to hear was yeah. something like that, you know? Yeah. And um, so just even, even thinking about the future, thinking about, you know, how we're going to deal with the holidays um, for me, at least um, I just got, I just got, sometimes you just got to get through this next day, these next few minutes um, talking, trying to imagine the future, especially again, in those early stages, not helpful. The other, the other thing that's not helpful is and I get it. I understand it. I understand the awkwardness. But but when people just completely avoid talking about her, people who know her, people who know me, avoiding talking about her at all, that's not helpful. Yeah. 
I want to talk. I want to talk about her. You know, I want to, it's helpful to me to talk about her and to think about her because the last thing you want to do when you're grieving is, is forget, you know, or, or, or to think others have forgotten. Mm -hmm. Um, So that would be a second thing I would say. Yeah. You and Lisa are blessed with three beautiful children. You're, you're proud of them. So how are you and they able to support each other during this time? How's that, how's that go for all of you? Obviously you want to hang in there with each other. Yeah. Yeah. They're all worried about me. Um, I know they're all talking to each other. My kids are all, you know, they're all in their Mm -hmm. thirties, early thirties. And I know for a fact that they're all have texting each other, worried about dad uh, sitting in this house by himself. Um, And I'm worried about them. Um, But we love one another. We're very close to one another. I'm so grateful for that. And we've spent, you know, more time together through this. Um, Actually, right after she died, they all spent the week and their spouses at my home, at my home. We just spent that whole week together. That was really helpful. Um, But we talk by like um, video chat four or five times a week to all together where somebody will start it and we'll all jump on it. If, if even for a minute, that's been really, really helpful. Um, just staying connected. Um, you know, we need each other. We need each other. Yeah. And we need to help each other we, and, and asking each other, you know, really specifically, how you doing, you know, how you doing with moms, you know, thinking about mom and, you know, we just talk, we just talk openly about that. So, mm. That's been helpful. Yeah. Well, Chris, uh, deeply, deeply appreciate you've yeah. you've opened up to us what yeah. is a very private and personal part of your heart, and I know that ministers and encourages many people. Um, let me back out a little bit here in a broader view of your life. Um, uh, we've been focusing on you and Lisa, and let me just ask you now about Chris. Yeah. And uh, none of us knows what our journey in life will be like, but we've been discussing this. And and we only learn about those chapters as we experience them. However, you know, we have the benefit of hindsight, which I would say it isn't always 100%, but we have the benefit of, of yeah. looking back and the previous chapters and we see how God used them, you know, in ways we couldn't see at the time. But but and we look back in retrospect, we're able to appreciate that. But are there are there certain roads that Chris Hansler chose that you can now say, you know, those were significant milestones in helping me to become who I am today, and even to the point of helping me to navigate this journey we've been talking about. There were some roads back there that I selected that maybe even at that time, I didn't know how important they were, but I can look back now and say, wow, those are key to where I am today. Yes. Yes, there are. Um, I'd point to a couple things that happened about, oh, a dozen years ago, um, we were pastoring and, you know, Lisa and I, you know, were you know, we love our church and we love our kids and love our family, but we were going through some, some hard things. We were going through some difficulties at that time, um, personally, and we were going through some, 
challenges in our church as pastors do go through. Um, we lost mm -hmm. some people. And, and so I was just in a sort of a funk at the time trying to figure out, um, both Lisa and I were trying to figure out how to deal with some of these things we were processing in our life. And um, one of the things that I realized, uh, what I did is I went and saw a counselor. You know, there's a stigma still mm -hmm. about evangelical faith-filled Christians, and in particular mm -hmm. pastors, mm -hmm. going to see a counselor. We'll recommend yes. a counselor, but we, we, if we go it's ourselves, true. you know, true. Uh, boy, there must be something really wrong. But I, I did went and saw a, a, a wonderful Christian counselor who's still my counselor to this day. That choice has been instrumental in helping me process difficulty, grief, loss. And I think one of the things that that I didn't know how to do well at the time, you know, a dozen years ago was was how to grieve loss. Uh, and and he helped me learn that he helped me see the importance of grieving loss. He helped me see the importance of lamenting um, when you lose somebody or or something doesn't go the way you thought it would go, and or you have to lay down a dream or or you know a person you've invested in is no longer there. You know how do you grieve that loss? And I think I think sometimes we we um, we think well we just got to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and we got to believe and have faith and. Bless God, we're going to keep going. And that's kind of how I handled it. Suck it up. Yeah. But what happens in that is you 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 internalize it, which is already my tendency. Mm. And it'll it'll leak out some other bad way. And so mm. um so that that decision to see a counselor, and then I just I just started seeing him at least once a year just to do a check-in. And and when I needed more, I, I would do that more. He he one of the things he advised me to do was. Uh, once a month, take a full day with Jesus and just spend a day with Jesus and enjoy his presence and be with him. And that might sound simple, but um, it's easier to say than to do, to take an entire day oh, wow. and just be with Jesus every That's month. So but true. that yeah. that process has been pivotal mm. in this season. Mm. Both those things, both those steps of having a counselor that I trust, that I can talk to. And just having good spiritual practices to lean into Jesus, um, that that has been also really critical to this journey. That's beautiful. Chris, again, I want to thank you so much for, you know, coming on our podcast today, letting us see into your heart. I know this has been beneficial to a number of people. Now, before before we leave, though, I've got to ask you this. What's going to happen to the Mariners in 23? Well, I could talk for a while about this. Um, we, have, <laughs> we, have a, we have a strong pitching staff, an excellent bullpen. We have a good young core of, of uh, players. We have a superstar in Julio Rodriguez. I predicted actually in 2020 or 2019, 2020, that they would go to the World Series in either 23 or 24. So I'm sticking by that prediction. We made it to the playoffs this year. Next year, I think uh, World Series are bust. All right. Well, you've all heard it here. Remember, you heard it here. We're going to find out what kind of prophet Chris Hansler is. <laughs> <laughs> thanks again for joining us, Chris. Yes, thanks so much. And we thank all of you who joined us in this edition of Better Roads. And we ask that you uh, keep pressing on with God in search of the best roads for your life. You have been listening to Better Roads with Randall Bach, 
president of Open Bible Churches. Join us next time as we explore how God is part of another person's journey.